morning. I have impeccable timing because I left my notes at home, and when we started, I said, I'm just going to run back and get them. And Jonathan, being the shy wallflower that he is, only likes to lead about three songs, and so I rushed across town and walked in right as uh, it was time. But the upshot of that is our scripture reading I didn't have ready to give to, to uh, Christian on time, so that's, not, that's my fault. But it is Psalm 18, verse 2, and if you want to turn there, we'll read that together. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection, and with him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. We're in this series on the various characteristics of God or the roles that God plays in our life. And we're talking about, uh, we have talked about God as our creator, as the one who makes things and creates things new, and that includes us and our soul and our heart. Last week we talked about God as a navigator, uh, directing our path and, and, and putting us on the right, uh, in, in, on the right orientation for a life that is lived in his service. From the earliest moments of scripture, of the story of God and his people, we see that God is a protector. In addition to creating, navigating, he protects. You can look at a number of stories. You can go way back to the beginning of the Bible. You can look at the Israelites when they leave Egypt. You can go back before that. You can go back to, you can go back to Noah and the flood protecting the faithful. You can go to the Israelites leaving Egypt, the Red Sea parting and crossing on dry land, and then collapsing on their enemy that was approaching them. You can look at God uh, protecting them throughout their wandering, even in the wilderness. You know, last week we talked about God as a navigator. One of the key moments of navigation that God provided his people was wandering in the wilderness. The fire by night and the cloud by day. And during that time, he also protected them. He offered them safety. He kept them fed. He kept them nourished. And even though it was not easy, he was their protector. You can look at the law itself, the law that God gave his people. The things that it asks of them are things that would protect them and keep them safe and healthy. You know, uh, everywhere you go now for the last year and a half, has adopted new protocols for hygiene, for cleanliness, because we don't want to transmit disease um, to, to one another. And sometimes I see some of those things, uh, well, sometimes some of them are utterly useless and have nothing to do with, with anything. It just makes us feel good, like plexiglass at Farm and Fleet. Eh, it doesn't really do a whole lot for you, but it makes you feel good. But there are some things that actually do help, like washing your hands. And I see these things up and make sure you, you know, don't get within six feet. I don't know about you, but I never really had an urge to get anywhere within six feet of anyone ever prior to COVID. But we have to be told that apparently. And so, you know, stay six feet away and wash your hands and all things we probably should have been doing anyway. Good things. And quarantine, you know, when people are sick and things like, did you know if you read Leviticus, it tells you to do all of that anyway? Part of their law was hygiene, what to do when you're sick. Hey, guess what? If you're sick, you get to leave town for a little while until you're better. 
oh, an unclean animal died and fell into a well? Wait a few days and then drink the water because the solution to pollution is dilution. That's the saying. And all of these things that we know because medical science has advanced in the last 150 years to understand things like microorganisms and how, how disease and germs are transmitted. Do you know the guy who um, kind of made a lot of the, the, most of the progress in our study of the transmission of microorganisms? It was a man named Joseph Lister. Um, the product Listerine is named for him. But Joseph Lister didn't invent Listerine, but he did do a lot of work with figuring out why are people in hospitals that have surgery dying at an alarming rate because of infection. The science of the day was that it was bad air and that after a surgery, you should open the windows and let good air in and bad air out. No, the, the surgeon doesn't need to wash his hands or anything. He just wipes them off. Uh, and by the way, surgeons used to brag about how much blood was on their their gowns, that was kind of a badge of honor. Look at how many, their experience. It was a thing of their experience. And Joseph Lister said, I think maybe there are tiny microorganisms that are living on our skin, and when we cut people open, they get in there, and it causes infection, and people laughed at him. The British medical journal, The Lancet, mocked him as though he were crazy. Well, we discovered years and years later that he was right. Now, he died penniless and was considered crazy by his contemporaries, but he was right. And so much of what we do in our hospitals today is the product of research done by Joseph Lister. And yet, despite all of that, which was in the last 150 years, you can go back thousands of years and find that God is telling his people, don't eat that, don't touch that, Stay away from that. And it's not some arbitrary rule. It's because those things are dangerous. We have the medical science and the knowledge to confirm what Leviticus commanded. Isn't that fascinating? Now, God couldn't just reach down and download into our brain, into, his, in, into people's brains, all the facts about this stuff. They might have short-circuited but what he did do was give them laws and give them some guide rails and some, and some guidelines for survival. God is our protector. Thousands of years before we would understand why those things matter, he was telling them to do those things so they would stay alive until Jesus could get here. The law itself was a, survive, was a, was a, meth, a method of surviving, a method of protecting. We're going to go through some, some passages here. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 5. Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, You shall not be deprived of a man on the throne of Israel. This is an interesting verse. This demonstrates the protection of God and his chosen leader, the king. And what he promised to David was, you will always have someone on the throne of Israel. Well, did that happen? The kingdom ends up divided, and the, the monarchy, the, the throne ends up divided as well. And 
even through all of that, and eventually captivity, occupation, overtaking, Babylon, uh, all, of, all of those, the downfall of Israel as a, as a power, a political power, through all of that, God was still with them. Now, uh, David did in fact have descendants who sat on a throne. It, it, was, it, was, not, uh, it was not the same throne in the same kingdom, but God did fulfill his promise because they did have a man on the throne of Israel. Um, but the kingdom fell and the people were captured and there were hard times for God's chosen. And yet they survived. They survived. They continued to write their stories. They continued to um, produce subsequent generations and eventually they would return in some number to Jerusalem and reestablish the law and reestablish the kingdom. God promises, God makes promises and he fulfills them. And in battle, God was their protector, win or lose. There were times where they had to lose. There were times where they had to be overtaken. There were times where they had to be humbled, but God still protected them. He helped them to survive until Jesus could come. Psalm 91 Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, this is the first two verses, by the way, can say to him, you are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you, I trust. The, the scripture reading from this morning, Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection, and with him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. Again in Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God has always looked after his people. He has always protected them. He has never set them on a course, asked them to go on a journey that he was not willing to come along and keep them safe on. God is a great protector a great defender. I like how those two words are used uh, interchangeably almost, synonymously, um, because we're going to face slings and arrows. We're going to face trial. We're going to face tribulation. We're going to face hardship. And notice how these things that we've talked about so far connect with one another. God creates. He makes. Then he sets on a path, a direction, that which he creates. And the path he has set for us is filled with challenges and threats. And so he provides for us defense and protection. He watches over us. I absolutely love this next passage. Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says, he who created you. O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I want to stop there for a minute. This is some of the most powerful, this is some of the most powerful language in Scripture to me. It's one thing to feel that we're under the protection of someone or something. That's one thing. You know, uh, growing up, I, again, and I granted it was a different time and a different place, and, and, and that, it, that is what it is. I always felt very safe at school. I always felt very safe. Um, you know, that was before the days where we ever conceived that kids could walk around with guns and, and do, do harm during school. But I always felt safe. I always felt safe at school. And I always felt safe with my teacher. Teachers make us feel safe and comfortable. They're going to take care of us. They're going to protect us. Or the other uh, faculty and staff always felt safe there. But it's not the same kind of safety as I felt when I was with my parents. One time, uh, I think I was in first, second grade, very, quite young, and we were in gym class um, with Mrs. Norwood. Oh, Mrs. Norwood. Now, at the time, I thought she was the meanest, scariest person on the planet. Um, she actually turned out to be one of the sweetest ladies that's ever walked the earth. But uh, I didn't know that at the time. She just seemed scary. But uh, Mrs. Norwood, gym teacher, first grade. And as happens in the spring uh, in Arkansas, we had a really bad thunderstorm. In fact, we had a tornado come near town. Didn't come right through town, but it came near enough. Power went out. Wind was blowing. Thunder, rain, I mean everything. And we were in the gym. And I was terrified. Now, I always felt safe at school, and I felt safe with my teachers. But in that moment, I wanted my parents. That's what I cried for at six years old. I want my parents. They make me feel safe in those circumstances. There, are, there is nothing that compares to the safety, the protection, the defense that we feel when we belong to someone. My teachers took care of me. They cared about me, but I wasn't theirs. We didn't share a name. We weren't blood. When God says to his people, don't be afraid because I have redeemed you. I have repaired what is damaged. I've called you by name and you are mine. You belong to me. And the almost inexplicable desire that we have as parents and as people with, with relationships with people we care about. You know, there's that urge to protect and to care for people. Uh, we can't really explain where that comes from. It's just built into us. When God looks at you and says, you belong to me, and that desire to protect you is the same for God as it is for any of us when we look at our kids or, or, or family members or loved ones. To be told by God, the Almighty, the creator of the universe, that you belong to him and he will protect you because you belong, you're his. Is there anything more powerful than that bond? So he says, I will protect you. Don't fear because I've called you by name and you're mine. Now go to verse 2 of Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. 
When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Okay. I, you know, sometimes we think protection means we keep people out of harm's way. If I'm going to protect someone, I don't get them in the water. If I'm going to protect someone, I keep them away from the fire. That's like when you have little kids especially, that's like your whole focus. You look at the whole world differently. Before you have kids, you don't notice anything. The minute you have, especially the first one, the fourth one, you kind of stop caring again. But once you, but that, but that first one, you see every sharp corner, every unprotected outlet, every piece of dirt, everything that could potentially cause harm. It all of a sudden just shines at you like a bright light because you have something to care about and to protect and to look after. Yeah, I don't let my kid get near the water. I don't let my kid get near the fire. God doesn't say, I've called you by name, you're mine, don't fear, because I'm not going to ever let you go through water or fire. He says, don't fear, because I've called you by name, I've redeemed you, you're mine, and when you go through the water, I'm going to be there too. And when you go through the fire, I'm going to be there too. God's people have always been going through the water from the days they left Egypt to the day they crossed the Jordan to the day that you and I step foot into that water to be buried with him to give our life to Christ. We are called into the water. And water is a powerful and sometimes destructive and scary thing. That's where God calls us to, to meet him. And the fire, fire has had a great relationship with God's people over the generations, over the centuries, over the millennia. You look at, at God speaking to, uh, to Moses himself through fire. We see fire being called down from heaven to consume altars. We see fiery furnaces where the faithful are thrown for their profession. God does not promise us there will not be water to cross or fire to go through. He says, when that happens, I'm going to be with you because you belong to me. God is our protector. He is our defender. He is a shield about us, and he keeps us safe. And that theme is all throughout Scripture. It is unavoidable. It is the essence of who God is. He made you. He set you on a course, and he, he pledged to protect, to keep you safe. I'll begin in verse 3 again of Isaiah 43 and listen to these last two verses. Because Here, here's the reason why. Okay, Don't fear because I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you're mine, and when you go through the water or through the fire, I'll be with you. It's not going to consume you. It's not going to destroy you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. In other words, I will sacrifice anybody else to save you. I am your God. Someone else will go in your place in order that you can be saved and you can be protected. 
Verse 4, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. My goodness, the prophet Isaiah has just cut to the very heart of who we are in relation to God. Because hundreds of years before it happened, these words were written down. Did God live up to them? Did God keep that promise? He calls us to the water. And he says he'll be with us. And he is. He calls us sometimes to walk through the fire and says you won't be burned, you won't be consumed. We see baptism described as an entry into water where we are joined with Christ. And we see hell described as a fire that consumes us. And God says, I'm going to go with you into the water and I'm going to protect you from the fire. And why? Because I am God. And how? Because I will give people in exchange for you in your place. My goodness. Do you see the cross in God's protection? Do you see the cross in those words? Go to 1 John, if you have your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. The one who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. By this, by this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to stand in our place. He gave Jesus in exchange for us. The cross is our protection. The cross is our defense. The cross is our shield. And just as God protected Israel from the forces of the world, from those who would do them harm, from those who would try to destroy them, just as he led them through the water out of Egypt, just as he led them through the water into the promised land across the Jordan, onto Jericho, just as he set a path for them, he sets a path for us and he offers us protection. No longer from an outside force, though I believe God's protection does exist in a physical way. The protection he offers us today is not like that of military protection or political protection. The protection God offers today is the protection of our soul by the blood of Christ. He fulfilled everything about what he said he was in Isaiah chapter 43 a protector that goes with us through the water, a defender that goes with us through the fire, and one who would give someone else in exchange for us to save us. He did just that. Jesus is the defense. Jesus is the protection. Jesus is the manifestation of God's love. God is many, many things, and yet he is one thing. And I say this every week, as we discuss these different roles of God, let's don't compartmentalize God. 
let's examine that he is a multifaceted thing. He has many different attributes. And all of them unite to set us on a course of righteousness. God is a creator. You're the evidence of that. God is a navigator. Us being here in some ways is evidence of that. And God is our protector. And the cross is evidence of that. If you need prayers or encouragement or need to be reminded uh, of that protection or to receive that protection, uh, whatever your need is this morning, I want to urge you to make that known and join with us as we stand and sing together.